Good to see you here at the Holy Spirit Ministry Service, and we do want to give lots of time, not only for the Holy Spirit to minister to us, but also uh, for us to minister to the Holy Spirit and to the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2, please. Uh, just in case you just came in in the off chance and didn't realize that today, can I have the door shut, please, so I can feel, I need a door shut tonight. <laughs> yeah. Keep it nice and hot. (laughs) (laughs) And um, today, in the church calendar, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Now, of course, every Sunday is meant to be Pentecost Sunday, and every day is meant to be Pentecost. But I think things in the church calendar are good, because it means that there's a special focus that comes in at Easter and Christmas and uh, on special truths. And today... Before we move out into ministry, I want to speak a little bit on what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone had heard them speak in his own language." Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This was the greatest impartation of God that the world had ever seen so far. Because into these just over a hundred people that were in one accord, 
God sent his spirit from heaven and there was a divine impartation into their lives that changed their lives forever. And the question that I'm asking myself today is, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? And we could have chosen many passages, we could have gone, and maybe we'll mention a few, John 14 and John 16, about when the Comforter will come, the Helper will come, he'll do many things, he'll convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will bring from Jesus and make known to the disciples. He will be the great teacher and the great leader. But I want to use this as a model, really, Acts chapter 2, about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes, because there are principles that took place on this day that we can apply to any day that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on. First thing I want you to notice is the setting of the pouring out of the Spirit, this great impartation. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, They were all with one accord and in one place. This is very important for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That the people that God pours out on are to be of one accord, in one place. And I don't just mean a physical place, but in one place, one vision, united, ready, together. That they've ironed out all kinds of dissensions, all kinds of division... The Holy Spirit will not impart himself on a people of division. I mean, we could just look at the works of the flesh in Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. And there are different works of the flesh, but one of the categories of the works of the flesh is the categories of infighting, divisions, jealousies, arguments. The word used... Therefore, heresies is not talking about heresies as in some weird, strange doctrine, but the word heresy that's being used there is talking about sects, people gathering together in little groups against other people in little groups. And and so the whole picture there is one of division. But here we see that when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, we find that the environment was one of peace. They were all of one accord. They were united together. Uh, They weren't fighting. There was no movements of the flesh. And so when the Holy Spirit imparted himself into their lives, it meant that the power of God could accomplish the purpose of God. It's not enough to have the power of God. If you don't have unity and the power of God moves, all it will do will serve to actually increase the effects of the flesh. That's why in times of revival, when we talk about revival, what we're talking about is times of great working and manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We thank God that the Holy Spirit is always at work in his church, always. But we can call his normal day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month work of the church as his ordinary work. His ordinary work. You say, well, Is ordinary? Is the Holy Spirit ordinary? No, but compared to his extraordinary work, the general day-to-day work of the Holy Spirit is ordinary. So when we look at what God is doing amongst us, it is his ordinary work. You say, what do you mean his ordinary work? Souls are getting saved, but not multitudes. People are getting healed, but hospitals aren't being emptied. People are moving in strong anointings, but that strong anointing comes 
and it goes. People are discipled, but the depth of discipleship, there's still a long way to go. The Holy Spirit is at work, and we thank God, because without him, we'd have nothing. We thank God. But you know, God doesn't want us to be satisfied with the ordinary day-to-day work of the Holy Spirit. That's why I call it ordinary, because God wants us to seek something that's extraordinary. Uh, There's a great danger that we become satisfied with the workings and levels of the Holy Spirit amongst us. But God wants to work in an extraordinary way. And when God comes in revival, when the Holy Spirit comes, as on the day of Pentecost, and if, if you want me to define revival, I'd simply say it's the early church. It's the Act 2, 3 church. That's what revival is. And that wasn't a one-time, this is not a one-time Pentecost. God is looking for, to pour out his revival afresh on the earth, and indeed is pouring it out. And you say, is there something that we can do to make God pour out his revival? Yes and no. You can't make God do revival. But what you can do is prepare for revival. In fact, the preparation for revival is as important as the revival itself, is as godly as the revival itself, and is as supernatural as the revival itself. Artie Kendall has been bringing a message during the days that he's been with us, and he's only with us till July, but time and time again, uh, when he first came, he was speaking about the message of the midnight cry, the idea of the virgins, those that were prepared for the midnight cry, that had oil in their lamps, and the virgins that weren't prepared, and they didn't have oil in their lamps, they were asleep, but when the midnight cry came that the bridegroom was on his way, the end-time revival, they were both awake, but some were ready and some weren't. Some were ready. And the importance of revival is not just when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, but actually the greatest thing that you can do is prepare yourself for revival. Even if, you, even if it doesn't come, it's the, mo- it's the best thing you can do. Why? Because revival or the expectancy of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 terms... To get ready for that will be a great work of the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit was working amongst these disciples. He hadn't come in Pentecostal power, but he was working in them. In John's Gospel, before Jesus left his disciples, he said, look, I've got something for you before I go. And he breathed on them. And he said, receive ye the Spirit. Receive you the Spirit. And they received the Spirit, not in Pentecostal power, but they received the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was at work in their lives those 50 days before Pentecost come. Pentecost means, it's Greek, for 50 days. 50 days after the resurrection, 50 days after the first fruits. That's when the Holy Spirit came, but he was already at work. You see, some people say, oh, you Pentecostals say that unless you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, as in Acts chapter 2, and speak with other tongues, you Pentecostals say that Christians don't have the Spirit working in them unless they speak in tongues. No, we don't. No, we don't. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. You can't be a Christian. In fact, many non-Christians have the Holy Spirit working in their lives. He is working in them, bringing them to the place of conviction and convinced that Jesus is who he said he is. You cannot come to Christ without a work of the Holy Spirit. It's absolutely impossible. And so the Holy Spirit was at work in these men and women. 
as they were waiting and tarrying, as we call it, using the old uh, King James Version and the old Pentecostal, tarrying before the Lord, waiting on the Lord, seeking on the Lord. They weren't wasted moments. They weren't wasted prayer meetings. They were time of preparation. God was working in them. God is working in you always, no matter how much you've received of the Holy Spirit, He is working in you so that you can receive more. He wants you to have a greater anointing, a greater empowering, a greater manifestation of his presence, a greater manifestation of his spiritual gifts, a greater manifestation of Holy Spirit breakthrough. But in order to do that, in order to give you a fresh Pentecost, he's got to be doing the working in you, working in you. And a lot of that is to do with attitudes to one another. Attitudes. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, most of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is to do with how we treat one another. How to treat one another. Love, uh, patience, kindness, generosity, self-control. All these things are to do with the way that we relate to one another. Where the flesh and the works of the flesh Nearly all the works of the flesh are, again, how you treat one another. It matters how we treat one another. It really, really matters. And Pentecost without relationship is not Pentecost at all. And sometimes what we found in times of moves of God is that the power of God's been strong, but the relationships have been weak. This is why when the Holy Spirit comes in power, you see free manifestations come to the fore. First of all, when the Holy Spirit is poured out in power, you see that which is of God come into the open. God steps out. God manifests. Healings, miracles, breakthroughs, conversions, sanctifications, changes in life, radical discipleship. The work of God is seen in powerful demonstrations. That's the first thing. But the second thing that is also often seen in great moves of God is high high manifestations of flesh. High manifestations of the works of the flesh. Why? Because when the glory comes, that which is of God comes forth, but that which is of flesh also rears itself. It rears itself because God wants to deal with it, but it rears itself. And so in times of outpouring, that which is in you that hasn't yet been dealt with will be magnified. So if you're arrogant without a Pentecost, well, somebody thinks you're arrogant, you keep it to yourself. But let me tell you, when the glory falls and the power comes, and the multiplication starts, and God starts putting his power into practice, then your arrogance will just be like a megaphone, and you begin to think that that which God is, that which God is doing is your own. And all the rest of it. The, if there's division, if there's jealousy, I tell you what, if the Holy Spirit pours himself out and there's jealousy, that jealousy will erupt if it's not already dealt with or if it's not quickly dealt with. You see, when the glory comes and there's no hiding place, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's no hiding place. He'll get it all out. He'll just bring it all out. He'll come and the Holy Spirit will say, no more hiding. He'll just bring it out, the good, the bad and the old, ugly. It's all going to be manifest. That's why it's better to get the bad sorted and turned into good and 
get the ugly into the beautified thing and let the Holy Spirit get all that out, get, get it working in us so that when the glory falls, it'll fall on, the, on a united front, it'll fall on, on, on a one accord, it'll fall on people that have been allowing God's work to a level where they can carry the type of authority. This is why often revivals don't last very long because the people carrying the revival are too fleshly. When a revival comes, everything that's not been dealt with, everything that's not been crucified, suddenly begins to manifest. And unless you're you're dealing with those things now, as well as then, and that you're brutal with those things, then, then it'll bring that. So the Holy Spirit, God's work manifests. God's goodness comes to the fore, but so the flesh. And finally, the demonic. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's like going to a sleeping beehive and shaking it. It's like taking one of those wasps' nests and beating it with a big stick. And that's what the Holy Spirit does when he manifests. He comes down with a big stick and he begins to beat the hives of demonic wasps. And they all start manifesting and buzzing and wanting to sting you. That's what the Lord does. He drives out the enemy. He seeks the enemy. First thing the Holy Spirit did when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing that Jesus had his Pentecost? He didn't even need one. He was God Almighty. God made flesh. He could have done everything he wanted in his own self, his perfect self, the perfect son of God. Didn't need an anointed, didn't need an anointing. Why? Because he was the anointed one. We were singing that earlier. He was the Messiah. But for our benefit and for our model, he waited 30 years. He didn't do anything without the Holy Spirit. He didn't do anything without his Pentecost. He didn't do anything without his enabling, anointing and impartation. And then the moment when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit... And came out of the River Jordan. The first thing the Holy Spirit did is throw him into the wilderness. In fact, if you know your Greek, in the New Testament, if you read Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, you get to the place where it says, Jesus went into the wilderness. It doesn't say that. It says, the Holy Spirit threw. The word is ekbalo, from where we get the word ball. Thrown out. It's like the Holy Spirit comes and Jesus has a Pentecost. You think, oh, how wonderful, how divine, what a wonderful, pious experience. But the moment he's anointed, the Holy Spirit picks him up and throws him into the wilderness to face the devil. The Holy Spirit hates the devil. It's a pure hate. God hates with a pure hate. It's not like our hate. God hates with a pure hate. He hates sin, and he hates the devil. And so the first thing the Holy Spirit wanted to do was drive out the devil. Everywhere Jesus went, devils appeared, didn't they? I mean, Jesus wasn't even, he wasn't even having deliverance services. He just walked through the streets and people would be like, let's take Jesus for a walk down Portobello on Saturday. Let's take him down. He'd be walking down, he'd be like, be like some science fiction film. Jesus would be just walking down Portobello. People would be falling on the floor, frothing at the mouth, screaming out, all sorts of stuff. Hammer House of Horror, everybody. And, and, Jesus, is, and Jesus would be like, shh, quiet. Shut up, come out. Leave her. It was the anointing. It was the Holy Spirit. So when the revival comes, as it surely will, sooner or later, these three things will manifest Not only will they manifest in the crowds and the works of God, but they'll manifest in your life. 
Whatever's of God will come out of you and shine like never before. Whatever's of the flesh will be megaphoned, manifest, and will be, you think, you know, it's that pet sin, isn't it? It's that pet sin, you think you've got it under control, it's a chihuahua at the end of a lead, and you think you can take that pet sin wherever you want. But I tell you what, when the Holy Ghost starts pouring out, and that's not dealt with, the pet chihuahua has turned into a Doberman pincher, and he's dragging you wherever he wants you to go. It comes out, it magnifies, the Holy Spirit magnifies, reveals, uncovers, makes known all things. And the demonic, if there's any demonic strongholds in your life, They'll be manifest too. Now, it's not all over. If, you, if you've yielded to God and the power falls and these things manifest, you can deal with it, but you have to deal with it quick. In times of revival, you better deal with things quick because you don't have time. That there's not, The Holy Spirit doesn't have the patience. And he's the most patient person on planet Earth. He doesn't have the patience in revival times as he does in non-revival times. That's why I need to make the most of it before revival hits us. We don't want to be Ananias and Sapphira, do we? Saying we tithed and we didn't, bang, dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The, 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 these, these, the, everything is magnified. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes in revival, all that is false is exposed. But all that is real is brought. There is a sense of heaven. Next thing you see in this, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven, not from earth. When the Holy Spirit is poured out in our lives, when fresh Pentecosts come, we begin to hear a sound. But it's not an earthly sound. It doesn't come from earthly authority. It doesn't come from MTV. It doesn't come. We begin to hear the sounds of heaven. We begin to hear a sound, and that sound is God, and it's God in all his forms. God in worship, God in the preaching of the word, God in, the, in your personal devotion. But when the Holy Spirit turns out, we begin to hear heaven. Often when the Holy Spirit is not moving powerfully, often heaven seems silent. Often the heavens, they say, are as brass. But when the Holy Spirit comes in power, when he comes in power in your life, he opens up a channel into heaven. A sound. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and when you are constantly being filled or seeking again the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, your ears begin to hear the sounds of heaven rather than being dominated by the sounds of earth. It's a noisy place, planet Earth. There are plenty of sounds, plenty of talk, plenty of false doctrines, plenty of opinions from plenty of people. What we need is the authentic sound of heaven. What we need is a channel, a channel from heaven that we can tune in and begin to hear the words from heaven and begin to hear worship from heaven. When the Holy Spirit falls, there's a new worship. And that worship often echoes what's going on in heaven. You can always tell a song from heaven. Because the song carries with it, carries with its sound an anointing. Now, you can have your favorite songs and I can have my favorite songs. But every so often there will be a song from heaven for a specific season 
or a specific, a specific time. And that song, it's not really about whether you like its style or not, because it's come from heaven, and it's a sound from heaven. And the sounds of heaven, when they come through worship, they, they just have an incredible effect on the congregation. I mean, I'm talking when the sound of heaven comes through the instruments. The sound of heaven comes through the singers. This is important. This is why singers, worship leaders, songwriters, they need to get something from heaven. It's not enough just to get the right tune and set it to the right words. You've got to have an impartation. You know, if I was a songwriter, and I'm not, I would be seeking God for a song like I seek him for a word. Like I seek him for a rhema word. A word from heaven. God, I need a word from heaven to deal with this on earth. I've got to have that rhema. I've got to have that word that comes from heaven. It's got to be from heaven. It's got to be from heaven. I've got to download it. And when you get it from heaven, it comes. A sound from heaven. Out of nothing. It wasn't manufactured. This came from God. Preaching from heaven. Teaching from heaven. You see, we're part of the kingdom of heaven. And that means if you're a member or a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that's where you live out of. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings heaven to earth. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to live out of heavenly reality. Our lips and our voice and our speaking should be seasoned with heaven. We, people should go out and they should, they should know, they should feel the presence of heaven on us. And think when the Holy Spirit came, when he fell, he came literally from heaven. Literally. I know he was working on earth before that, but this is his great manifestation. This is his great impartation. Colin said, and he's right, that this morning that God's everywhere all of the time. But he doesn't manifest himself all of the time in equal greatness, does he? But there are times when God manifests himself, shows himself. And that's why we use the terms like the Holy Spirit has come. God showed up. And it filled the whole house. And it was a a sound of a rushing mighty wind. You know, the wind is an amazing thing. It's amazing what the wind does. You don't know where it's coming. You don't know where the source of its power is. But you feel its effects. On the day of Pentecost... Thousands of people were about to feel the powerful effects of the wind of the Spirit. We'll see again and again that the, the, the crowds don't understand. They're confused. They're perplexed. What does this mean? They can feel the force of a supernatural person, a supernatural power. They're feeling the effects of the wind of the Spirit blowing all around, but they can't grasp it. They can't see it. They can't box it in. They can't understand it. They feel its effects, but they can't understand it because that's the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit, pneuma, also is the word for wind in the Greek. And this is why Jesus says, you must be born again. And then he says, the wind or the spirit blows wherever it wants. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, what does he come? He does whatever he wants. He does whatever he wants. He blows however he wants. And you can't categorize it. You can't say how he's going to come. You can't say what manifestation is going to He does what he wants. The Holy Spirit does whatever he wants. You know that. 
Now, we can go to him and ask him for things. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, to whom he wants. And nobody can withstand his will, and nobody can withstand his ho- the power of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, you'll get saved. What if I don't want to get saved? Too bad. But afterwards, you'd be thanking God that he turned your no to yes. Your unbelief, he gave you the gift of faith. This is why the Holy Spirit is, our, is, is God's executive on earth. He is the most important person on planet earth today. And he is a person. And he's a wind blowing. And the beautiful thing about a wind is, is if you're not alive, you'll get blown away. If you're some dead tree in a big windstorm, you're just a dead tree, you're just standing there, it's fine. But when the wind comes, the wind knocks you down. All the rubbish that's just laying around, the wind picks up and it just throws it. And the wind of the Holy Spirit has a powerful cleansing effect. It blows out the cobwebs. It clears the way for the Lord. It just blows your mind. It just blows everything. There's times when the Holy Spirit has come when when actually the electrics have blown out. I've been in meetings in the past where the Holy Spirit has come so powerfully, microphones have blown. Things have blown. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and the way that he's manifesting himself. Rushing, refreshing, empowering. You just set your sails when the Holy Spirit comes. And you suddenly get movement. Often life can be, your life can be often like one of those sailboats in the sea. And there's no wind. And you're paddling along. You've got a sail, but it, it, there's no wind. And you're paddling along and you're getting places. But everything's so hard, so difficult. But what can you do? You just keep paddling. You just keep paddling. And you're only going a few inches and everything. But I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit comes, you just set sail. You don't have to work it up then. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to pray it up. You don't have to preach it up. You don't have to ham it up. You don't have to hack it up. You don't have to do anything. You just set your sails. You just set your sails. And the Holy Spirit comes and breathes. And the Holy Spirit empowers. God wants us hungry for that. And and you say, I feel so powerless. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. Because if you don't feel powerless, you're not a candidate for his power. Powerlessness is actually quite a good place to be in God. It's a safe place to be. The more powerless you feel, the more ready you are to be empowered, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then the fire falls. The wind comes, the fire falls, tongues of fire on their head. John said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming that I'm not even worthy to tie up his Nike trainers. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. A fire that can't be quenched. We were singing that in Jonathan's song. The fire, a fire, a burning, cleansing, purifying, consuming fire. There's nothing like it. It's the greatest thing in the world to be on fire for God. It's the greatest thing in the world to feel the fire burning the dross inside you. And sometimes God sends his baptism of fire in a fiery trial. And it's a terrible trial because all the impurities in your life and all your fears and unbelief, 
in the trial, it's all coming to the surface. It's all you can see is the bad stuff in your life, the impurities, the unbelief, and it's all coming to the surface. And the trial is pressing, and you're thinking, where's God in this? And you're feeling like giving up because all you can see is the bad stuff rising to the surface. But then when you get out of the trial, he skims off that bad stuff, and you find that what's left is God has left his impartation. You're stronger than you were before, fitter than you were before. It's more spiritual than you were before, with a stronger faith than you were before. You're stronger than before, better than before. That's God's plan for you. He wants you strong. That's why he puts, he allows you to go through it. He wants to strengthen you. Sometimes I say, God, how strong do you want me to be? (laughs) What are you putting me through? How strong do you want me to be? He crushes you to build you up. He'll let you be crushed so he can bring you up. He delights in allowing deaths to bring resurrections. Trust him in the difficult time. Trust him in the difficult time. He's working his work. The fire falls. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How wonderful to have a language that's not your own. A language that doesn't come out of your mind. A language that you can't control. A language that when you speak it by faith and you begin to speak in other tongues and you're in a place where you don't know what's going to come out of your mouth next, that's speaking in tongues. If you know what's going to come out of your mouth next when you're speaking in tongues, you're not speaking in tongues. Sometimes what happens is like the Galatians, we begin in the spirit, we end up in the flesh. We begin speaking in tongues and then two months later, we just repeat it. The mind says, I can do that. I've learned shimmy shoe. I can do that. Don't need the spirit to do that. And you go, oh, shimmy shoe. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy shoe. Shimmy shoe. And the first time you may have done it in the spirit, doubt it, but you may have. But then three months later, your mind is going, I can do that. And there's no anointing on it. When you speak in tongues, you have to consciously say, I'm going to speak in tongues by faith. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth next. I'm going to speak in tongues and let God flow. Speaking in tongues out of all the gifts that God could have given when he came as the Holy Spirit. You know, he came to the party on the day of Pentecost and he brought with him a gift. He brought them with a gift. He could have brought any gift he wanted. He could have given the gift of knowledge, the gift of immediate um, intellectual ability. He could have given them the gift of strength like Samson. He could have given them the gift of, he could have given them whatever gift he wants. He could have brought any gift to accompany his visitation from heaven. But the gift he brought was the gift of speaking in other tongues. And speaking in other tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. There's many other things that are meant to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. But right there, when he comes for the first time, you should expect to speak in other tongues. We find in Acts that when they weren't sure if somebody had met with the Holy Spirit uh, and they said, have you received the Holy Spirit? It was the tongues. It was Peter. When the Gentiles, Peter was preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit got bored with Peter's preaching and said, I can't wait for the altar call. And the Holy Spirit just fell on the Gentiles. And they just began being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. And the Jews were amazed. 
And they said, how can God be giving the gift of the Spirit to the Gentiles? How can't they're uncircumcised? How can they happen? And they said, well, they spoke in tongues, so they must have received it. And Peter said, we saw them receive the Holy Spirit just as we did. And speaking in tongues is a great blessing. And if you want to speak in tongues, and you don't yet, you can tonight. If you're a Christian, you can speak in other tongues. It's a gift for everyone. There are two types of the gift of tongues. There is the tongues that comes when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is your personal tongues gift, and you can speak it whenever you want. Then there is another type of tongues that is the nine gifts of the Spirit. That tongue must come with interpretation for the edification of the church, and you can't speak that type of tongue unless the Holy Spirit gives to you. No, any more than you can heal when you want, prophesy when you want, do miracles when you want. Don't get the two mixed up. I've heard some people say, well, maybe when I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, God will give me some other gift. No, I don't think so. He'll give you what he gave them in Acts, speaking in other tongues. Well, I don't want to speak in other tongues. That's up to you. You don't have to. You don't have to speak in other tongues. You don't have to speak in other tongues. You say, is it possible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in other tongues? I don't like the tone of your question. Because what you're saying is you don't, oh, can I have the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues? That's like someone coming to your birthday party and saying, uh, with a lovely gift and said, you know, I spent ages, bought this gift, now I'm not interested, thanks. It's God's way. It's God's gift. And maybe there are people, there are people out there with God's empowerment that aren't speaking in tongues. And maybe they're doing more than we are with our tongues. That is not the issue. The issue is the pattern of the New Testament. I want to be a New Testament believer. How about you? And all the New Testament believers spoke in other tongues. Every single one of them spoke in other tongues. Paul said to the Galatians, I saw you when you received the Spirit. And how do they know they received the Spirit? They spoke in other tongues. That's the open door. And look at the impact tongues had. They're speaking in other tongues. It wasn't the fire that caught the attention of the unsaved. It was their speaking in tongues. And these tongues, they heard it in every language. When the Holy Spirit comes, it's global mission time. I mean, it's global mission time. I mean, we, in July, we're going to have another missions month in July. And, and for July, August, September, our daily prayer is going to be global mission. KT mission. Mission in London and mission to the souls that aren't saved that we know in our families and friends. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's not just thinking about our little patch somewhere here. When the Holy Spirit's coming, he's thinking of the world, global harvest. Every Christian should be a global Christian. We should be ready and willing to pray as God leads us around the world. I mean, only a, only a few nights ago, I only say this to encourage you, only a few nights ago, in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, pray for Nigeria. Middle of the night, I was fast asleep, pray for Nigeria. And he didn't just wake me up and tell me, there was an unction, there was an anointing, there was an enabling. So I prayed for Nigeria, I prayed for the church of Nigeria. You see, if we're not global in our understanding, then how can God use us? There could be some saint somewhere in Africa, Asia, India. There could be some church, some nation that God needs you to intercede for by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't even need to leave our own, our own bedrooms and we can have a global ministry by the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. He came in a room 
But he was thinking about the nations and the nations from everywhere. And what did they hear? We hear them speaking in our tongues, declaring the wonderful works of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, not only are there wonderful works, but there are testimonies. Wonderful work, testimonies, testimonies. When revival comes, there are testimonies that breed testimonies, that breed testimonies. And God's works are made known, and people are gossiping about God. And here, as they were speaking of the tongues, I wonder what they were saying. I wonder what they heard. It says, wonderful works of God. And they were amazed and perplexed. What does it mean? Others mocked and said they're full of new wine. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, there'll be mockers. People that don't understand, that's fine. But there will be people that will mock the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a sure sign that he's at work. There will be people that will sit back and they will judge the work of the Holy Spirit. Not not proper leadership in times of Holy Spirit, but they will judge the Holy Spirit. It's part of, you see, when the Holy Spirit comes, like I said, he reveals the flesh. And one of the things that, is, that he reveals is legalism. Legalism. Legalism is one of the worst sins of the flesh that there is. Do you know that? I mean, Paul had to deal with two separate extremes of churches in the flesh. He had to deal with the Corinthians. And they were all over the place, getting drunk at communion, all sorts of illicit sex, arrogance, proud... Uh, going after their favorite preachers and saying other preachers were rubbish. I mean, it was a horrendous situation. The church of Corinth is the last church anybody would want to be in. They were in the flesh. And then he had to deal with the opposite extreme in Galatians. They were legalists. Oh, on the outside, butter wouldn't belt in their mouth. In fact, they were obeying the law. They decided to stop eating pork and bacon and, and they wanted to get circumcised and they wanted to obey all the laws. And you've got, the, the, you've got Paul dealing with these two extremes of the flesh and he is far more merciful on the Corinthians than he is on the Galatians. Legalism is a worse sin of the flesh than even the Corinthian stuff. Now, to the normal Christian mind, that is the exact opposite. Because your legalist looks good on the outside, nice and white, but on the inside are dead bones. And you look, you look at how Paul dealt with the Corinthians, and you look at how Paul dealt with the Galatians, and you look with, with, what, um, with what grace, mercy, and confidence he said to the Corinthians, become who you are. And you look at his anger, frustration, and strength against the Galatians, and, you, and you'll see that. But we don't want to be in any of those. They were filled, they were mocked, and Peter stood up and spoke about the prophecy. And we could go into that, don't need to know that in detail, but when the Holy Spirit comes, prophecy takes place. Divine speaking, divine enabling. The Holy Spirit, sounds of heaven. We have prophecy. When the Holy Spirit comes, the sense of Jesus' return comes back to the church. There's never been a strong move of, the God, of God in the earth that has not also brought with it a heightened expectation of Jesus' return. And people today say, oh, you know, every time uh, there's a hundred years gone, the church starts getting excited that Jesus is coming. And when there's a millennium, everybody gets crazy that Jesus is coming. Been there, done that. And it's almost like 
People in former generations and former moves of God, by today's all know-it-alls, they sort of look back and say, oh, yeah, they thought Jesus was coming and he didn't. Well, we're far more dignified and theological today. And when, when, when that old guy, R.T. Kendall, starts talking about Jesus coming soon, well, he would do, wouldn't he? At his age, he's either going to come soon or he'll go and see him soon, wouldn't he? At his age, we'll be, we'll be hoping Jesus comes. You know what I'm saying? This is what people think. And you forget that the knowledge and the awareness by the Spirit and the, uh, and the quickening that Jesus is coming soon is actually one of the most powerful sanctifying works that a believer can have. This is what Titus says. Titus says, look, knowing the blessed hope, knowing that Jesus is coming soon, deal with all the filthiness. And so a heightened awareness of Jesus coming soon is a work of the Spirit. And whether Jesus came or didn't come, which he didn't, in those former moves, those people that were seeking, longing his coming. Not Jesus coming, but Jesus coming soon. It's the soon that we need. It's, it's the intensity of the, and the impression of the Spirit that Jesus is coming soon and could be coming in our generation. That, that is one of the most purifying enabling, empowering truths of the scripture. It'll turn your world upside down if you really believe that Jesus is coming soon. It'll put things into perspective. And here we see it. The coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. Whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we find that, it, that the multitudes are drawn by the Spirit. And, and there's preaching. Peter preaches the gospel and preaches the cross, and preaches the resurrection. And then what happens is, souls are saved. People are saved. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. And then we see the growth of the church. Now we're speaking about the Pentecost, and that is the first day of Pentecost. But whenever God comes, these types of characteristics manifest. So when you have your personal Pentecost, these things that I've mentioned, these things will take place in your life. These movings of the Spirit, these manifestations, these emphases will take place. When you're filled with the Spirit, or there's a move of God, these very things that we've touched on in, uh, in Acts, these very types of of figures and types and what happened to them, these things will also happen in our lives. It makes sense when the Holy Spirit comes that he will bring these things into our lives. Let's just stand together and wait on the Holy Spirit right now. We've got time. Just uh, right where you are, just lift your hands to the Lord and just, just in your own words, just ask him to come and to fill you. Imagine, imagine if God had not come on the day of Pentecost. What would the book of Acts have been like if, if the Holy Spirit had not come? What would Peter have been like if the Holy Spirit had not come? Would that day have happened? What would Paul have been like? If he had never received the Spirit, 
and being baptized with the Spirit? What, what would have Paul's story been like? What would Stephen's story be like? What would his story be like? What would Philip's story be like? If he'd not been, what would the early church be like? If there'd never been a day of Pentecost. Now I want to ask you. What will you be like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> what will you be like? You say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. What will it be like when you're filled with the Holy Spirit every day? What will you be like? What will you be like? What will you be like when the Holy Spirit comes? You know what you're like without the Spirit. We've all been there. Non-Christian. Christian, doing it in the flesh, whatever. But what will you be like? Is it possible that you can have the dramatic change that Peter had from coward and traitor to preacher of the gospel, healer of the sick? A bunch of apostles all fled and ran didn't understand 90% of what Jesus had taught them. But when the Holy Spirit came, He opened their eyes. There was an impartation of divine revelation knowledge. And He turned their weakness into strength. And He empowered them. Very soon the whole world was being shaken by normal, average, weak people who were filled with the Spirit. And there were times when God would give them a special measure of infilling just for the moment, just at the right time. It says, it says things like, Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon you at the right time, at the right place, with the right words, the right anointing, the right prayer. And it's not you, it's God on you. A baptized people. Today we celebrate the day of Pentecost, but hey, tomorrow, let it not just be a Monday. Let it be a spirit-filled Monday. Hallelujah. Next cell meeting you have, let it not just be another cell meeting with encouraging words and friendship and fellowship. Let it be spirit-filled. Hallelujah. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, right now. Just let there be a fresh impartation on every life that's here. Just where you are, receive the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're here tonight and you don't speak in other tongues and you say, I want to, I want to. Because if you don't want to, don't come forward because it doesn't make sense. But if you say, I want to speak in other tongues, I want you to leave your seat and come to the front. We're going to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit and to speak in other tongues. But remember, when you speak in other tongues, the Bible says you will speak in other tongues. That's right. Leave your seats and come to the front. Nothing to be afraid of. This is your time. This is your day. Remember, the Bible says you will speak in other tongues. But he'll give you the language. In other words, if you don't open your mouth in faith and speak, when, laid, when hands are laid upon you and impartation comes, then 
we can pray for you all you want. The Holy Spirit can come upon you all you want. If you don't open your mouth and begin to speak, nothing's ever going to happen. That was my mistake when I first got prayed for to speak in other tongues. I literally believed the Holy Spirit would move my jaw up and down and waggle my tongue. But he would never do that. That would be demonic to force you. Anybody else, you want to speak in other tongues? Now's your time. This is the time. Leave, don't, don't be, don't worry if you're upstairs. Oh no, I won't come down. Come down. Come down. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. You will do the speaking. You just got to trust him. Sometimes when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're looking for the sensational. Don't look for the sensational. This is supernatural. And the supernatural can be sensational, but sometimes it's not. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask Gabriel just to come and lead people and use the ministry team as you want. Gabriel has got great gifting in releasing people the baptism of the Holy Spirit used of God Gabriel is very strongly used of God so we're going to start ministering to you baptize the Holy Spirit once you start speaking in tongues you, you, you get speaking but right where you are right now wait on the Lord like fresh rain just come to him afresh I pray the blessing on your father we're, we're here in one accord Lord, if there's any malice inside us, if there's any envy or anger, we let it go right now. We don't want it to be a blockage. We just let it go. You were kind enough to forgive us. We forgive others. Let your Holy Spirit fall, Father, right, right where we are. Right where you are. Maybe you'll begin to speak in other tongues or you just you don't have to. It's received from him a fresh anointing. fresh impartation something from heaven I pray will be deposited in your life tonight something from heaven not just a prayer not just a, a feeling in a meeting I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that every one of you will receive something from heaven maybe a sound from heaven maybe a blessing from heaven something from heaven our Father who art in heaven, we say. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a Bible prayer. Father, would you release heavenly blessings, heavenly experiences, heavenly impartations into your people tonight, Lord. Lord, we pray against any work of the enemy that would try and block the flow from heaven to earth. And we proclaim an open heaven in this place today by faith. We are citizens of heaven and we want to touch from heaven. People that are citizens of the United Kingdom, some of them, they have the benefits of being a citizen. But we want the benefits tonight, Lord Jesus, the benefits of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we ask that though we are pilgrims on earth, you would bring to our lives the benefits of heaven in whatever way you want whether that be a touch of healing whether that be a refreshing a refreshing or a deliverance 
bring it now, Lord. Just let it fall. Let it flow on Jacob's ladder that is the ministry of Christ. Let angels come down from heaven bringing gifts and strength. Lord, you said that angels are here to minister to the saints. We got some saints here tonight that need ministry. Holy Spirit, as you desire, release the angelic ministry in this place today and to those that are joining us on the internet right where they are. Let there be angelic ministry. Angels ministered to you, Lord, in the wilderness and strengthened you. We pray for angelic influence as the Holy Spirit wills. We release angelic influence into this place today. Angels on assignment, angels on assignment, ministers of fire, sent, Hebrews says, to minister. Angels of fire. You can't pray to release angels of fire. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. But I feel led by the Spirit to pray for a release of angels. So it's not coming from me. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. And I'm just agreeing and saying, Amen, Holy Spirit. Amen, Holy Spirit. Let angelic ministry be released. Angels amongst us. Angels amongst us, Lord, according to your bit. Angels in the balcony. Angelic ministry. Angels here, Lord. Angelic ministry. Oh, release it, Lord. Delivering angels. I hear delivering angels. The Holy Spirit is sending. It's His will. He can do it Himself, but sometimes He chooses to use angels. And the Holy Spirit is choosing to use delivering angels. Some of you are going to feel, you're going to feel like a hand on your back. You're going to feel a touch. And it could be that that is an angel bringing you deliverance, spiritual deliverance. See, in the spirit, chains being broken, fetters being broken, in order that you might receive the Holy Spirit in a deeper, stronger way, releasing the Holy Spirit, the work amongst the saints of the angelic ministry. I release it. It's released amongst us now, Lord God. Shut yourself in with God. Put your mind on heavenly things where Jesus is. Get your mind out of the earth. Get your mind out of the mud and the muck. Don't keep your mind focused on the earthly stuff, the thirsty stuff. But get set your mind on things that are heavenly. Set your mind on things that are above. I release you from the bondages and mindsets of this world that you may soar. Spread those wings and soar like an eagle. Lift us up, Lord, where we belong. Lift us up, Father, where we belong. We're eagles. We're eagles soaring in the heavens, seated with Christ. We're not chickens scratching around. Scratching around for a living. We're eagles soaring on the wind of the Holy Spirit. Stir the waters of healing, Lord. Come like you did. Come and stir the waters of our souls with healing power, delivering power, impartation. Fill us with your Holy Spirit again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled at the front here with the Holy Spirit. 
Be filled at the back with the Holy Spirit. Be filled, anointed and empowered. Power for service. Power for priestly ministry. Fresh anointings and giftings. And impartations from heaven to earth, we pray, Lord. Let your glory fall. Let the cloud come. The cloud of your glory. Mercy and grace. Let there be a visitation. A visitation of your presence on our lives, Lord. Fill your people as of old. Fill them today with a fresh filling of mercy and grace. Strengthen the weary. Heal the brokenhearted. Lift up the countenance of those that are down, trodden, depressed. Breathe life into dead bones. Breathe life into dead situations, Holy Spirit. We ask you to do your work in the midst tonight. Do your work in the midst tonight, Lord. In the midst of your people. Just keep talking to him, praising him. Speaking to him. Drinking of his presence. Shoot yourself in with God. Times of refreshing. Words of comfort, rhema words, release rhema words in this place today. Words of the Spirit. Promises of God over your life, we reignite tonight in the name of Jesus. Prophecies spoken over you, come forth. Prophecies spoken into you. Activate the calls of God and the ministries of God in this place. And the giftings of God. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gifting. In the name of Jesus, we speak to giftings that are latent or have quieted down. Spiritual callings and spiritual giftings that have gone quiet, laid dormant. We awaken you tonight. Awake. Live. Come forth. Manifest giftings and callings, prophetic unctions. We activate them afresh today. We, Holy Spirit, hatch those gifts like an egg would hatch new life. May the gifts of our life be hatched, brought to birth, manifest eggs like gifts like eggs lying dormant Lord brood over them and cause there to be life to come forth manifestation
I want you to come forward tonight. The next people who want to minister to, if I can have the ministry team ready, that are free as well. This is especially for people that are feeling so spiritually heavy at the moment. You just feel heavy. Spiritually, you feel like lead. You just feel like lead. You feel heavy. And there's a heaviness. If that's you, I want, I feel led by the Spirit to ask you to leave your seat and come to the front. And we will lay hands on you. And God will remove your heaviness and give you freedom. If you're, if you're there, if, you, if you're there, you've got a heaviness, you've just got, you just feel so heavy, leave your seat. Don't let that heaviness keep you in your seat. Come out from that seat. Come here to the front. Come over to the right. You're right. Come over to the right. Over to the right. You're just heavy. You just feel like lead. Come over to the right. We'll begin, we'll begin praying for you and we'll cast that thing off you. And we'll get you filled again with the Holy Spirit. So if, you, if you're feeling that heaviness, come over to your right. Over to this side where there's more space. We begin ministering, laying hands, go ahead. Just If it's that heaviness, just come right over to the, to the right and we'll pray for you. Get that thing off you. Have we got all the ministry team ministering at the moment? That's right. Let's, let's need quite a few over here. Can I get that heaviness off and a garment of praise back on you. Ladies, remember, there's, there's lots of need over here, yeah. Will you help us, Marcy? Or just wait on the Lord. The Lord can do things in you while you're waiting. He is doing it. Don't wait for the prayer. Just let the Lord minister to you right where you are. Jonathan, what's that Holy Spirit song you were singing at the 2.30? Did you sing that one? Huh? Yeah, that spontaneous one. You can do it. Can you do it again spontaneously? But do you remember it? It was really good. God gave Jonathan this song. I didn't realize. I thought it was a song I'd just not heard of. At the 2.30 on the Holy Spirit, just began singing it. So it's spontaneous. But he's just going to sing it now, and you can join in with it. And we're just going to let the Holy Spirit flow a little bit more and see what the next thing is we're going to do. I do believe that we should pray for those that need healing and powerful touch of healing tonight. That's yet to come. But right where we are, we're spending time with the Lord. Filled with the Spirit, doing business with our senior partner, the Holy Spirit.
Spirit of Spirit 
and the days of impartation we call them forth the, the days of visitation for this house Lord we call forth the days of visitation we call forth the days of renewal the days of visitation and the days of fire the days of our impartation and the days of glory we call them forth the glory of the latter house we call it forth let it come let it not be delayed let it come prepare your house for your glory Prepare, prepare the vessels for the anointing. Prepare us, Lord. Prepare us, Lord, for the glory of the latter house to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you again next Sunday. Amen. Don't forget, as you go, cell leaders and cell members, Friday night is a big night for our cell ministry. Moving into Saturday training. Um, let's be there and uh, we're going to have a great time with our senior minister taking us forward as a ministry of cells together. God bless you.